You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. back everybody to another edition of the Auburn Undercover Podcast recruiting edition today. Uh, Christian Clemente here joined by Philip Dukes and Jason Caldwell. Guys we have a ton to talk about just from the past weekend alone let alone what's coming up. Jason we were at football practice earlier today and we were mapping out the next I guess six weeks um, of the schedule and it is chaos with high school football playoffs, state title games, all-Star Games in Alabama, All-Star Game in Orlando, All-Star Game in San Antonio, uh, Bowl Game, Transfer Portal, Signing Day. Uh, a lot more stuff to have to worry about now when, the, uh, when you're actually recruiting guys and, and you're getting good players on campus and, and in the mix. It, it opens up the possibilities a lot more. So, yeah, it's going to be a, a pretty busy couple of months, but uh, I think it's going to be good, and I think, you know, I think people are going to enjoy it. Yeah, it's going to be fun, um, and the fun got started this past weekend. Jason, I enjoyed your tweet. Y'all flew to Tulsa to go to the Arkansas game on Friday. At that or during that flight, Laquan Robinson, the number one ranked JUCO safety, committed to Auburn, um, and we'll talk about Ryan Gee in a little bit. But he ended up committing to Auburn on y'all's flight back on yeah. Sunday, and that yeah. that sums up the weekend. Um, and it got started obviously with Laquan Robinson. This has been one that. Um, not a very well-kept secret, I guess you could say. Uh, people in the – the person that was live streaming it, people that were in the crowd were yelling War Eagle before he could before he could even announce it. Um, and it's been pretty well known that Auburn was kind of the team to beat for quite a while, and he chooses Auburn. And for a team that's losing Zion Puckett, probably, losing Jalen Simpson, probably, probably losing some other guys there in the secondary just due to eligibility and guys going to the draft, Jason, it's a – Pretty important addition because you're going to need a guy to step in and be ready to play potentially right away. Yeah, it's a you know, physical safety a kid from just down the road in Greenville. Um, got a chance to watch him play at Pike Road uh, his senior year, and that was a there's a loaded Pike Road team. Obviously, uh, you, know, you don't have to look much further than uh, you know, running back that's doing a pretty good job over at Ole Miss for the last couple of years was on that team, and 
um, you know, several other guys. And so they didn't have much of a shot that night, but Laquan is, he's a physical safety. And you're right. A junior college guy that, you know, you, you think, okay, gives you a chance to come in and play pretty early and mixes in with a group of already, I think, talented secondary guys on campus. You've added some more in this class. Um, just like really every position on this team, they've increased the talent level. And that's what you have to start with. And, and Laquan Robbins is one of those guys. Yeah, y'all keep dropping your questions in the chat. Clayton, I already see yours. We're going to hit the three commitments, and then we're just going to start rapid-firing going through those questions. Um, Dukes, the news continued on Saturday with probably the biggest news of the weekend and one that Auburn has been working on for a long time. This is a guy that Auburn really wanted. He ended up committing to Florida in June. Didn't matter for Hugh Freeze, for Ron Roberts, Jeremy Garrett, all those guys, Jamonte Waller, the Jack linebacker out of Mississippi, guy that they – desperately desperately wanted to pair with joe phillips and after getting him on campus a couple more times um this fall it, it ends up paying off and he flips to auburn and dukes we've already seen it he's already been vocal recruiter for auburn you know clayton was asking about lj mccray we'll talk about him a little bit later but one of the first things that waller did after flipping was facetimed lj mccray um and tried to get him to flip from florida as well so dukes just your thoughts on this win and how auburn has really positioned its linebacker room with with him, Joe Phillips, Riddick, and um, DJ Barber for a really strong class there. Yeah, I, um, I almost kind of consider him to be more so in the uh, defensive line class, only because it's he's a guy that's going to get to the to the, to the quarterback. Uh, he's definitely a linebacker, uh, you know, outside that Jack. It's the Jack position, I believe, and um, he's some someone that Auburn identified early as one of the top players, regardless of where they were nationally, ge- excuse me, uh, geographically, somebody that Auburn was a have to have when he committed. I talked to a guy, a really good source that didn't even bat an eye. He was like, well, I didn't think that was going to happen, but we'll be all right. And this was August maybe, or I mean, a long time ago, uh, same guy was sending me little messages every now and then uh, says, yeah, uh, <laughs> We're on Florida's tail, got that gator by the tail. So I kind of knew who he was talking about. <laughs> and uh, I didn't know if he was going to pop this soon, but I, uh, I thought it was more so closer to signing day. But as the momentum started uh, to build, I said, wow, they're, they're really – and from what I'm hearing, there's a concerted effort to get more guys in the boat. And uh, you can see it with some of the recruiting. You've got Keontae Scott uh, becoming more of a vocal guy when it comes to recruiting in the public eye more so than just being a kind of the closer behind the scenes. So, but Waller is a huge get, uh, depending on who you ask, the number one player in Mississippi, uh, somewhere that, you know, Jeremy Garrett and Hugh Freeze wanted to make their bones to be able to dip into that state. And I think you, you don't get much better than Jamonte Waller when it comes to athleticism and, and being a twitchy guy as far as getting to the quarterback. Some people may say he may be a bit undersized, uh, as far as height-wise, but by being able to – I think he's the perfect size for what Auburn wants to do, being able to get under some of those uh, taller and longer offensive tackles and just a guy that you want to pin his ears back and get to the quarterback with enough strength on the perimeter to set the edge. So I think he's a perfect fit for what Auburn wants to do. I mean, he's he's exactly what you have now in Jalen McLeod, just a little bit more talented coming out of high school, probably a lot more talented coming out of high school, um, and a guy that – Auburn really liked Jason. We really liked him when we saw him at that camp in January or February. Um, and your commitment analysis, I think you said Elvis Doomerville, um, Cooper Patagna with 24-7 Sports, compared to 
compared him to Brandon Graham, I think, um, of the Philadelphia Eagles, another undersized kind of edge rusher. I just I don't think this win can be um, overstated for Auburn. Yeah, and you know it, it's not you know there's lots of things and lots of ways to do things nowadays, and you don't have to have a guy that's six six, two hundred and seventy five pounds playing the edge rusher nowadays because of teams spreading the field because of things you do. Speed wins out, and this is a guy that that is that is super quick off the edge. And yeah, I, I think Jalen McLeod. Would, you look at what he's able to bring right now for Auburn's defense, and I think it's a a similar skill set. Um, but like you said, a guy that probably um, is more talented coming in, and, and who knows, Jalen McLeod. I think Jalen McLeod's going to play in the NFL at some point. So he's a guy that that has that skill set. But you look at at Waller, and I mean, it's just when you start talking about need areas. There were certain things that when when he freezes and this staff came in, it's like, okay, we got to get better here. There's no question right now in football that wide receiver is a spot where you absolutely have to be a lead if you want to challenge. I mean, look at Clemson right now. and People have pointed to quarterback, and I would point more to wide receiver than I would quarterback. Going, look, you could have all you can have much if you don't have any guys to throw it to, you're not going to be very good. Um, and so I think that's a position, and they they've already addressed that and are trying to address it even more. An edge rusher. Those are two things that you better be pretty good at if you want to have a, a defense. You better get to get a quarterback. And so this is a guy that can get after the quarterback. And you're right, Joe Phillips, the guy that's going to probably be in that same spot as an edge rusher, a bigger, more physical version of that, to where you could almost play those guys at the same time down the road. Keldrick Falk's going to be a guy that moves inside with his size. And all of a sudden you start looking at pieces and athletic pieces on defense, and, and it's pretty impressive. Last commitment that we're going to hit real quick, and then we're going to get to all y'all's questions. There's a ton of them, so we'll hit this one quick. Um, Ryan G., um, I, I really, really regret last Tuesday he was on campus, and I did not ask him how to pronounce his last name. I don't know if it's G or G. Um, I don't know how it's pronounced. I'm sorry. But Ryan G., um, out of Milton, the tight end, big tight end, all of 6'5", 230 pounds, Jason, I think last Wednesday, you, me, and Nathan did kind of a catch-all podcast, and we said, hey, this is one to really keep a close eye on, and things could happen pretty soon, even though he said he was planning to commit in February. Sure enough, on Sunday, he commits, pushes Auburn's class up to number five, again, up in 2025, and just y'all's kind of quick thoughts on the addition. And the the biggest thing for me is it's Auburn's continued presence in the upcoming recruiting class and building that up really early on already. Yeah, I, I'm, you look, it's just 2025, the tight end position. This is the guy that they've kind of focused on. And I think when you look at it too, Deeks knows, and we all know how important it is to have a presence in Atlanta in any sport, in every sport. And this is a guy that gives you another foothold to kind of build around um, in the Atlanta area. And and so really talented, athletic tight end, a guy that can, can stretch the field, do some different things. And so I think, Again, you start pointing towards 2025 and you go, hey, just, just you know, look at what the possibilities of that class are, and it's already pretty darn good. Yeah, that's kind of – oh, go ahead, Dukes. Yeah, I was just going to say uh, Ryan is one of those kids that uh, he plays tight end in a way that doesn't tip your hand. He's a, a, a really good blocker at his age, uh, seeing some of the things that, that Milton has been able to do with the talent that they do have on the perimeter, and he, he can absolutely go up and get the ball. So – uh, I think it's really important because a lot of times you see a pass catching tight end. Well, when you see him in the game, he doesn't he doesn't scare you at all as far as him staying in the block. 
uh, he's a guy that has to be accounted for, especially when you're thinking about, okay, when you're trying to scheme a, against the Auburn and you see him in the game and it could be a, or in a, and I, it, especially in short yardage situations, a guy who could block or can, uh, catch passes. I think he's that uh, a good, more of the traditional, but super athletic tight end. And I think he's a really good fit for that class and what Auburn is really looking for uh, as, as, as a tight end. Excuse me. Let's hit this question, actually, sticking with 2025. Uh, what's your guess on where the 2025 class ends? I've got them top five, personally. Um, I think a class where they're really, truly on equal footing, and even, you know, we've talked about it on the show, guys like Ryan Williams, you know, whatever, if he reclassifies or whatnot, but technically they're still behind a little bit in 2025 because some of those guys, Jaden Perlodi was already committed before they got here, stuff like that. But it's really their – their true test in recruiting. And I think they'll be able to crack the top five personally. Yeah. I think, I think you start going, Hey, I think conservatively is a top 10 class. I think that's, that's something that can be done. They're going to have a chance in this class in 2024 in year number one, even behind to potentially push for a top 10 class, which would be incredible. Um, I think you start, you start stacking up top 10 classes and adding guys that, you know, because right now you're trying to go. You got holes to fill versus talent, and you know you're, you're trying to get to the point where you can be like Alabama, and Georgia, and you go. We're just going to take the best players we got. We got we got guys everywhere. Let's go take the best players. They can't do that right now. Now, if there's other, there are guys you're not going to pass up on, and, and they'll start doing that. Twenty twenty five. Going look, I don't care if we got four other guys at that spot. This guy wants to come. We're taking him, but. You can see it already. It's it's starting to take shape, and um, you know, heading in the right direction for sure. Dukes, real quick, what's your prediction? Give me a give me an exact number. I'm putting you completely on the spot here. I'm a, I'm gonna split the difference, and I'll go seven. Okay. Uh, I think where they're starting, they're getting a really early start. There are so many highly ranked players that even if Auburn were to hit all of the guys on their board. It may not agree with where 24-7 or the other sites say they are, but as far as getting good quality talent, this is probably the deepest offensive line class I've seen in in, in many, many years. So uh, even if Auburn gets their guys in this class, it still may not be, oh, they could get four or five real guys, four stars, three four-star type guys, I mean uh, four-star or five-star type guys. They can get who they want, and it still may not be, top three, top five. So I think a seven is a really, really uh, good place in a class like this. And uh, just, you know, not to go too far into it, but a top seven class in a loaded year is better than a top five class in a week year. So even though that top seven class, yeah, the number, they were seven. A seven in 2025 is is, is almost a four in uh, 24. Just And that just tells you how deep the class is. Yeah, I was looking at this the other day. Of the top 28 players in the country for 2025, seven of them are from the state of Alabama alone. We've already seen how aggressive this staff has been in the state, so it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see. Let's start hitting some of these other questions. It, it, it had to be one of the first ones. Knew it was going to pop up. Cam Coleman, Jason, you reported he was back on campus on Monday, and it's uh, the roller coaster is back on, I guess I'll say. I don't. I don't know how else to phrase it. It is the sweepstakes is back on. He's he's going to get as much of a push from 
the current Auburn commitments as anybody possibly could. And I think the most interesting thing is, is that uh, maybe in years past, or, and it, it would probably be natural for guys at that same position to maybe go, oh, I don't know about that. I, and I, I bring that guy in. He, he, he might be ahead of me and it might cost. You, you look at Auburn's wide receiver group and those guys are the ones that are saying, Let, let's go. Uh, you know, so I think that's been an interesting part of it. Um, Walker White, obviously, um, you know, they've, they've, they've continued to talk to Cam Coleman. Hugh Freeze, Marcus Davis, and the staff have continued to talk to Cam Coleman. There's been an open line of communication this whole time. And so um, what was the Monday visit like? How important was it? You know, I do think Auburn's in the picture, but we know we thought Auburn was in the picture from the get-go. I thought it was going to be a little tougher. And, hey, it ain't happened yet, and it might not happen. But there's no question that what happened over the weekend with Jimbo Fisher being fired and obviously changes coming on that staff has to have an impact on this. How much so? We'll find out. And who knows? Maybe we'll find out in a couple of days, a couple of weeks or whatever. But I think Auburn's in the picture. Here's the thing. And I've really struggled with this. I'm writing my mock class for tomorrow for Wednesday. So if y'all aren't over at AuburnUndercover.com, go over there. Make sure you're subscribed. You can read that I'm on Wednesday. I I said it a couple weeks ago. I think Auburn will get one of its two wide receiver targets still remaining in Cam Coleman and Ryan Williams, assuming that Ryan Williams reclassifies to the class of 2024. Before Sunday, I would have put Ryan Williams in my mock class. As of Tuesday, I'm leaning Cam Coleman, but it's it's Jason, it's what you've said. We've we've seen this movie kind of before. It looked like Auburn was sitting in a good spot in the summer. And then Texas A&M came out of nowhere and got his commitment on July 4th. And now that, you know, A&M fired Jimbo Fisher and whether Damian Craig is still there, that's obviously Cam's primary recruiter. All of a sudden it looks like Auburn is picking up steam again. You know, he was in Florida State this weekend. Those are kind of the two schools. But it's like, okay, well, what are we missing? Georgia's still in the mix a little bit. I think Alabama's still in the mix a little bit, but not as much. It's just there's some hesitancy, at least from my part when it comes to the mock class, just because of what happened in the summer um, and his commitment to A&M. So I still don't have, I still haven't fully decided who I'm going to put in my mock class for tomorrow, still writing it. Um, but as of right now, I would probably lean on lean towards Cam Coleman, but I just, it, it's tough. It's really tough. I still think Auburn sits in a pretty good spot with Ryan Williams. I don't think things have dipped down there. It's just a resurgence with Cam, I guess you could say. Um, here's one from James, um, and we did answer James' questions about Cam. Um, I think we answered this a little bit earlier already. Um, I think this class is about to end up a top 10 class. Thoughts? I think Auburn is sitting at 15 or 16 right now, somewhere in there. I think they'll get um, – I did my 247 last week where I predicted the class. I predicted number nine. I think anywhere from eight to about 11 is possible, but I would lean towards nine or 10 personally. Yeah. There was another part of it. Let's, let's go back and touch on L.J. McCray because you oh yes you teased it a little bit from the from the get go and it's something we talked about today. But um, L.J. McCray committed to Florida. Jamonte Waller was committed to Florida. Those two guys obviously have been building a connection. Um, we were told, hey, when when before Waller committed, he told L.J. McCray he's coming. L.J. McCray was like, whatever. I think he FaceTimed the Auburn coaches and said, hey, you just told me you committed. And I, yeah, he did. So there was this, uh, really, it happened. Yes, it happened. 
Auburn's been recruiting LJ. He's been on campus a few times. And you start talking about impact and, and what it could have. There's nothing, and we talked about it, Auburn, I mean, we've been in the middle of it the last couple of years. There was no momentum in recruiting. When you start to get momentum, there's nothing like it. And um, I, I jokingly compared this class a little bit to to that Nick Saban's first year where, you know, they were kind of make it to a bowl game, lost that losing record in year number one at Alabama, and then they signed all these guys. And it was because they started going, hey, I believe in what they're doing. It's starting to feel a little bit like that for this Auburn class. And do you know what these guys talk? They pay attention to each other. And all of a sudden you start going, hey, I want to play with my my guy there. And now he's at Auburn and you like Auburn already. You're just kind of looking for a reason to go. Stranger things have happened. No, absolutely. I think um, LJ McCray is a lot closer than what some people think. Um, and I know he's committed to Florida, but – Hugh Freeze is relentless. I, I'm not sure if guys really know how much Hugh Freeze is involved in recruiting. And we coming out of the Harson era, we didn't really get that vibe as much as, as you know, as we are getting it now. Uh, I don't even know how to say it any plainer, but the Hugh Freeze cares so much about recruiting and he understands the lay of the land. You cannot send a position coach to recruit a guy like this. Yeah, they're going to help. They're going to be the everyday guy. But you can't have a position coach going up against Kirby Smart. You can't have a position coach going up against Nick Saban or even Billy Napier. You Like these guys, you have to get in there recruiting. I think he's doing a really good job. And I think that L.J. McCray is someone who seriously considered Auburn early on when nobody really thought that it was a, you know, nobody really thought that Auburn was a major factor, but they were. And now, uh, you know, I think early – and also, I don't think people really realize how good L.J. McCray was early on and what type of player he is. I think now that the ratings have caught up to his film, then it's kind of like, oh, he's a guy-to-have guy. But he's always been there for Auburn. And uh, I think that he's kind of one of the guys, like if I had to have a guy right now um, that I would say would be in a class, like a major – is, is, is L.J. a five-star yet? He is. He's the number six player in the country now. We bumped him up like serious? crazy. Yeah. I know he was. I mean, hey, hold up. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, uh, being, with that being said, yeah, it's a major coup if uh, Auburn is able to pull this off. And I think that uh, uh, LJ, he's always been there on Auburn's board. And another guy who I think that uh, Auburn, and not to take away from this part of it, but another guy that Auburn is going to make sure they keep in the class is TJ Lindsey. Uh, Lindsey is a guy who some who kind of gets forgotten about a little bit, but who had a great year. And uh, he's kind of slid up on some of the recruiting boards that may not have reached the 24-7 yet, but uh, he's a guy that's going to generate interest. So I think Auburn is doing a good job of putting herself in position on the defensive line. And as you know, uh, if you can't control that line of scrimmage, uh, it's going to be hard to win in the SEC. And with Auburn's strength being the secondary this year, they're starting to see even the play that they're getting on that defensive line. This could be one of those recruiting classes, as Jason said, that sets up Auburn for the future. And years beyond. Yeah, well, I just kind of did a little little exercise while you're doing that. I just calculated if people haven't. One of the, the great things that on twenty four seven is the ca- class calculator. I just did Cam Coleman, L.J. McCray. I said, look, two guys that we feel like they got a pretty good shot at. Those two guys never. You know, there'll be other teams that add guys too. Those two guys right now would push over to six. To six. That's that's wild. 
and they got a legitimate shot. Uh, that's how close it is when you start talking about 16 to six is a couple of those kind of guys. That's the difference in that kind of, kind of class. And they're right there. And not to mention the potential, of, you know, a, a guy that somebody might ask about Jeremiah Beeman. There you go. Um, you know, a guy that we're, we're hoping, you know, go see you this weekend, um, Friday night, but Jeremiah Beeman and Parker is a dude. I mean, I'm talking about, you start talking about guys that can come in and play now. Um, He's one of those guys and another guy that they're in the mix with. He's visited, he's committed to Alabama, but he's got a teammate that's committed to Auburn. Auburn is all over name offered his 2025 teammate. It's, there's going to be, you know, how many of these guys can they, can they get going their way at the end? will determine how high this thing can go, but it could go really, really high. If everybody says, you know what, let's do something different. Let's go all, Let's go all in and, and, and flip this thing right now. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Look, you know you're going to pack the stands, the recruiting stands for the Iron Bowl. And the thing I kind of go back to was, I think it was at A-Day, where Hugh Freeze pulled 10 or 15 of kind of the top guys and said, guys, we're going to we're gonna start something here. And, you know, at the time, Joe Phillips wasn't committed yet. Um, and you know, he was in that room. And Walker White was committed, but he was a big part of the message there. So the Iron Bowl is just, it's a huge recruiting opportunity for Auburn coming up. Speaking of that, there's going to be some guys there like K.J. Bolden. We're expecting him to be there and some other ones. But this question on the chat, predict how many five-stars Auburn signs in the 2024 class. You already have two, one in DeMarcus Riddick, one in Perry Thompson. Um, Riddick is a composite five-star. Perry is a 24-7 sports five-star, and I think a composite five-star with us as well. Other names that you could see in five-star status that Auburn is still recruiting pretty heavily. Off the top of my head, K.J. Bolden. Ryan Williams, if he reclassifies, I think he would still be a five-star. Cam Coleman, LJ McRae, I think that's it. So that would be four more that I can think of off the top of my head that Auburn really you know, really is in the mix with right now. So you've got two, four more names, really realistic names on the board. How many five-stars does Auburn sign in the class? 
I, I'll say three. I'll say they get one more between Cam, Ryan, uh, KJ, and LJ. I'm really going to do it again. I'd lean towards Cam out of that group, I guess, but it's close. I think they have a really good shot with both of those receivers, and I think we just talked about LJ a good bit. They've got a shot there, and Jason, you reported on it. They're still trying to work KJ Bolden. I think that one's a bigger lawn shot than the other three, but he's expected back in for the Iron Bowl, and they're still working it. Again, you just never know what happens when guys get together. And, you know, what we do know, and Dukes, Dukes, you talked about it, you know, K.J. Bolden likes Auburn, and he's always liked Auburn. And is it enough to go, hey, I've seen enough? Is it enough when you start talking to other guys going, okay, I don't know. know. It's hard in this day and age to go, okay, what is it? What's going to be the the decision maker for a guy? And what we do know is is there's still conversations being had. And if you're Auburn, you still got conversations being had with, you know, three of the top 10, 12 players in the country here a few weeks away from signing day. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good spot to be in right now when you start talking about trying to fill this class out. Jason, real quick, what would be, what would be your prediction? They've got two five stars. What would you say they end with? Uh, yeah, it would be hard to, to, to go four, but I – I mean, I think they got. I, think a shot. I, do, I do think they get another one. I do. I think they get another one. It'd, it'd be hard for me to go. Yeah, two more. But you know, as you sit here today, you go. I think they're in the mix for two or three other guys. You know, can you can you finish it off? Dukes, your pick, real quick. Uh, I'm gonna go three and a half, and that half is counting Jamonte Waller. Like, yeah, uh, I mean, he, he's he's, gonna, he's he, a fringe five star guy. Yeah, yeah, he's been a five star like earlier in the year like he's kind of went up and down when you get a guy that highly ranked it is really like if he's a half an inch taller and checks one more box then he's a five star so i'll go three and a half he's 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 that type of guy and if you ask auburn how many five stars they have right now they're definitely not gonna say two yeah you're right because he's a guy that when you when you start going to all-star games and he starts wearing guys out then people go i don't care how big he is and that's gonna be you got pads on you're able to do this thing, and and that's really a the deciding factor for a guy like that is that's that's when when those things can really move a lot, and I think he'd be one of those guys. Yeah, for me, in terms of looking at the actual you know our twenty four seven rankings, for me, top thirty two or five stars, thirty three to fifty is basically a five star in my mind. At that point, you're splitting hairs, and anything inside the top fifty is extremely close. Uh, we've already been going for close to twenty eight minutes, so we're going to rapid fire through a couple questions here. Um, here's one from Kyle. Thoughts on Kevin Riley and Amir Jackson. Amir Jackson might be back for the Iron Bowl. That's the tight end committed to Florida. I think Auburn has a better chance with Kylan Fox, the UCF commit personally. Roger Saliapaga, the Utah tight end, also back for the Iron Bowl. There's a chance Michael Smith, um, the South Carolina commit, is in for the Iron Bowl as well. Amir Jackson's possible. I would just put him lower than those guys in terms of feasibility. And I will pair this with Timothy's question in terms of Kevin Riley. Who's the most likely running back commit? In my mock class, I'm going to have no running backs yeah. in the 2024 class personally. Yeah, I, I think you look at this season and, and you know, Jarquez is a guy that's come on strong. But when you start talking about running backs three years into their careers, he, he's probably been as as little used as you could possibly be. I mean, he's he was a backup for two years. He hasn't really gotten his stride until the last three or four games at Auburn. You start thinking about the potential of having everybody back in that running back room. 
um, then you go, okay, one guy. Maybe there's one guy you shoot for, and if, you don't, if that's not the guy you want, then then you load up in 2025. So I, I think you could be right. Yeah, you go for Kevin Riley or the Clemson commit, David Eziomume. If you can't land one of those two and you keep everybody, you probably don't need to go out and get anybody. And we've talked about Alvin Henderson a bunch. Someone mentioned his name in the chat. That's really been your guy in 2025. You take him, ideally, and then you try and take another running back maybe as well. Um, and so as of right now, I personally don't have them signing a running back, but obviously that's that's possible. Um, here's one from Sean. Is there any chance Marcus Harris could come back and play with his brother next year, or is that a pipe dream? That, I believe, is a pipe dream. I do believe he can come back, but ever even since the spring, uh, Marcus and Malik have been saying, not coming back. You know, Malik is saying, it's not because I want to go play with my brother because my brother's gone, um, and Marcus is saying it's his last year as well. I think he has effectively played his way up draft boards this fall as well. I know Auburn fans would love him to be back. I think I think he will be on the move to the NFL, um, and that's probably a positive thing for Auburn in the long, long term there. Here's one from Jordan Walker White throwing to Perry Thompson, Cam Coleman, and Bryce Kane. Can you all imagine? Don't forget about Malcolm Simmons either. That's – Malcolm, talk- Malcolm's the guy that people maybe haven't have seen the least of that is absolutely the most athletic of that bunch. Now he's raw, um, but Malcolm Simmons is a freak athlete, a guy that can do a ton of things. Yeah, no, this this group already already strong. Um, you add you add one of those other guys to the list, and it becomes lethal. It becomes probably the best. You guys would know this better than I would, but probably the best wide receiver class in Auburn history. Well, if you land one of Cam Coleman or Ryan Williams, you had, you had a group that was instrumental in an undefeated season. That would be the only comparison for me. I know there's some in the, in the back, but Dukes, you look at Ben Obamanu, Devin Rose, Devin. Anthony Mix, Courtney yeah. Taylor, and you know Monte Pitts was included in that group and then eventually played and moved to defensive back. That would be the only comparison in, Man, in in my mind. Jason, it's funny you said that because what I was about to say was, I'm, I think uh, uh, Malcolm Simmons can, can he's going to be a great receiver. But I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up playing some defense at Auburn. Um, he's one of those guys. He is so freakish. And some people – I've heard people say uh, great college wide receiver, NFL NFL safety. Uh, yeah. Just, I, I think <clears throat> I told Christian the first time I saw him, I thought he would probably end up being a, a DB, and he could be. Well, that's where Auburn he, liked him to start. Yeah, but he, he can play – he's going to play somewhere. And yeah, he's he, a like, freak, he's, freak, he's freak of nature. He's developed this year wide receiver, which has helped, and I think that's going to be the good thing. But, yeah, that it would be comparable to that 2004 group. Like I said, that was a that was a group that you had three guys playing in the NFL out of that group. Uh, Anthony Mix, if Anthony Mix was was playing college football today, he would be a top three-round draft choice as a hybrid tight end. They just didn't have that position when he played. He would absolutely be in that mix too. So. Oh, yeah. had, I think you'd have had four guys in the NFL out of that group. Yeah, absolutely. And mix, man. So just just to say, such a freak athlete. A lot of people don't know. Jesse, you probably know Anthony Mix is big. He will, as big as he was, ran a ten four one and a hundred in high school. Yeah, no, he was he was a really really good player. Hit this one real quick. Yes slash no. Do you know who the Perry Big Fish tweet was about? Have a good idea. Um, and we will see potentially within the next week or two. I think some implications there. Um, and I will leave you with that. Let's see. Um, how much time does he spend recruiting versus coaching these last two weeks of the regular season? 
this week is with New Mexico State, probably a good opportunity to hit the phones recruiting a little bit heavier because next week, you know, everyone's coming to town for the Iron Bowl and you're going to try and put on a show for them on the field. Um, and I, I, I don't know how if that answers your question very this, well. But. Yeah, this is one of those where ne- next week's one where you earn your money because you're going to do both. I mean, yeah. You got, you, you're not going to skimp any in either side uh, knowing how important that is. But here's the thing. We know how involved he freezes in recruiting. We know he's doing those things, but we were out of practice today, and he is dialed up, ready to go. Because there's a lot of time once you get off the practice field, um, and so um, I think he'll be heavily involved. And I would guess Saturday, pregame, postgame, as long as they take care of business, then he will spend a lot of time talking to, even if it's a bunch of young kids, which I think is probably going to be more of the guys there Saturday. He'll, he'll spend plenty of time doing that, but no, there'll be a lot of a lot of recruiting done next week. But um, their their full focus will be on on Alabama. But you know, got one to take care of first. Here's one just for you, Dukes. They don't want to. Tanner doesn't want to know Jason and I score unbiased Iron Bowl score prediction just for you, Dukes. <laughs> uh, man, unbiased. Give me twenty eight, twenty four. But you got to tell me who's the winner. (laughs) There we go. We'll go with that. Um, Already touched on this a little bit. How likely does a KJ Bolden flip look at this point? Um, If I was just given a term, I would say unlikely at the moment. But let's see what happens when he's back for the Iron Bowl and see what Auburn can do on the field and see what happens from there. that, that's all I can really say right now on that. Um, we've already talked about that a good bunch. Here's a good one from David. Uh, here's a theory I have for you guys to figure out hypothetically. If Lane Kiffin took the Texas A&M job and Waller coming to Auburn, could we circle back and make a push for Kamarion Franklin? Um, was a five-star, now the four-star defensive lineman that Auburn missed out on from the state of Mississippi earlier this summer. Um, he hasn't popped up on campus so far this fall. Could maybe be at the Iron Bowl. I think even if Lane Kiffin didn't leave for the A&M job, Auburn would still maybe like to get him in. They haven't used his official visit. And, you know, he mentioned Waller. Those are your top two guys in the state of Mississippi. I'm sure they have a relationship of some sort. Yeah, and it it could depend on, um, you know, what happens with two guys we talked about, Elton McCray, Jeremiah Beeman. It could depend on what happens with those guys because in the end it could come to a numbers game. And if you're Auburn, there'd be nothing greater than going – Man, do we have room? Yeah, I think you'd find room for Kamar and Franklin, but but it, you know, who knows? Because it may depend on how many guys you lose up front as to how many spots you have. We talked about Marcus Harris. Who else has gone from the front? We know that um, Masai Nasilakite is a uh, is a guy that's his his um, playing time is done uh, that injury, and he, he was on a guy that had one year. Lawrence Johnson. Lawrence Johnson will be gone, so you know Elijah McAllister. Yes, so DN Jack yep, kind of. Yep. So you got four guys out of that front four, three slash four, that you know won't be back. How many spots do you use there? Do you go try to get another veteran guy potentially to give you a little more experience to, to add to the group? That's the hard part right now is there's no definitive answer on what the roster is going to look like. And so a lot of these things could happen in, in a split second in the middle of December. Uh, Dukes, Manny wants a quick scoop. We'll leave that for Auburn Undercover. Hopefully should have something there soon. So if y'all aren't a subscriber over at Auburn Undercover, 
definitely make sure to come check us out over there. We're going to hit a couple more questions. There's a ton. Had to skip over some, some, but I think we've hit on most of them. Um, this is a good kind of big picture question for both of y'all from James again. Um, fellas, when is the last time we have been in the run-in with this many five stars? That, that would be better for y'all because y'all know Auburn history a little bit better than I do. From a sheer number standpoint, I honestly don't know that I could and I can remember any any time. It would probably have to be that um, the the Trooper Looper Chiswick early years, where you had you know all the running back group come through, and I mean they had it. They're looking at you know a bunch of those guys came through. It would probably have to be that two thousand. Uh, nine, ten area somewhere around in there would be the last time that I think they would probably be anywhere close to this, in my opinion. Okay, Dukes, do you have any other thoughts, or would you agree with that? Yeah, uh, yeah, I one thousand percent agree. And uh, I think the level that they're in it this year, um, it just feels like you got a guy that's going to close, and we're really in it. I think uh, the year that we got Byron Coward, like you know. That year, we kind of felt like we would get them, but it wasn't like a, hey, you, there was some optimism the whole time and not just that Homer-type, Auburn can, you know, Auburn, Jada Glasses type deal. And I think that real optimism is back now. I think uh, they're really – they're not just talking to guys or entertaining guys. Like last year, I, I, James Smith, I really didn't feel good about that the whole time, uh, just to be honest, like. Maybe Quay Russo a little more than Smith, but I never felt good about it. And uh, I, I, if if this group, if this group of coaches was recruiting those same guys last year, I think that class ends up totally different. To be honest, yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean they they did their best to get back in the mix there at the very end. Jeremy Garrett and those guys, they tried, they tried, and they I don't want to say they made it interesting, but they at least kept Auburn in the mix a little bit. We're going to hit three more real quick. Clayton, speaking of Ryan Williams reclassifying, where do you think he would be ranked in the 2024 class, top five or top ten? Uh, he's ranked number three in 2025. Those are conversations we're not in. In terms of ranking, I still think he'd be a five-star person. I think he'd still find his way in the top 32. I'll say top 20, somewhere in there. If I'd had a vote, he would still be in the top five. Oh, I, I agree with that completely. Yeah, I don't know Guy, that guys just get dinged when they reclassify. I, 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 think, I think he'd still be a top ten. I really do. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, one one thousand percent. He he's one of the, I I'm almost at the point where I'm willing to say he's one of those Juju Lewis, regardless of class type guys. Where it's like yes. doesn't matter what class he's in, he's this. And if I were to rank all of the players in high school football, 24, 25, 26, 27. He's one of the top five to ten players in college in uh, high school football right now. I agree with that completely. We'll hit this one real quick. I'm asking about Jalua Solomon, um, saying, is it a done deal? Um, and he went on to clarify, is, is he sticking with South Carolina? Jason, this is one that we reported on last week where you know, he, he ended up calling Hugh Freeze, kind of, we were told, out of the blue a little bit. Um, I think yeah. it was last week, and Auburn has stayed in the picture despite what's already happened um, yep, from committing still. to South Carolina at the last second and then flipping to South Carolina and now showing interest in Auburn again. Um, yep. the, the biggest thing there will be, does he make it to the Iron Bowl? That, that'll that be kind of a decider for me. Yeah, South Carolina has Clemson at home, um, you know, Auburn and Alabama at home. That'll probably tell us a lot where he is that day. Um, and, and I don't often say it, but I think the finish of this season – 
could impact him a little bit too. And South Carolina has Kentucky and Clemson. Um, they don't make a bowl game. That with Spencer Rattler, that could, that could have an impact. And a lot of times wins and losses don't have an impact. It feels like it could have an impact in this situation because South Carolina had all this momentum, all these things going forward. And if you if you go five and seven, then people go, man, what, what's what's going on? Where's the future? It almost has an Arkansas feel to me a little bit. Going, okay, where is it? Where is it? Is it, is it still there? So I, I think it could the end of this year could have a little bit of impact on him, whereas normally wins and losses don't a whole lot. Last question we're going to hit here from Fort Myers. Can you tell us about the two basketball signees? Also, how do you think this basketball trip goes? Jason, talk to us about Todd Pettiford a little bit. Dukes, you were at Ja'Kai Howard's commitment ceremony, and he actually signed today on Tuesday as well. So, Jason, you talk to Todd Pettiford. Dukes, break down Ja'Kai Howard a little bit, and then we can close it out talking about the basketball trip. Yeah, Pettiford is a is a little bit bigger. I um, mean, he's not six six point guard, but he's a guy that has some juice to him. He can get up and, and throw it down, take the ball to the basket. Do, I mean, you look at at the run the run they've been on from this point guard position, and I mean, you you look at at what he brings to the table, and I, I think he's a guy that automatically jumps in and plays right away. And um, you know, if you get guys back, maybe he's a guy that can play the two a little bit. I think he could. Uh, you know, he's not the classic two two guard size, but just a, a really good player that continues to develop and, and progress, get a little bit more physical. But I mean, if you say Bruce Pearl point guard, boom, you don't need to say much more because he's been really good at, at, at finding those guys. And Aiden Holloway is going to be a, a freak show for this team. And I think Todd Pettiford is a, a similar type player. Yeah, um, <clears throat> Ja'Kai Howard is one of those freak athletes where um, he may have 42, 42 inches of vertical, um, long guy, six six. Um, I think twenty four seven had him like power forward, but he's more of that. Uh, he's more of a three. Um, working on developing a, a more consistent jump shot, as far as being able to be that that really classic three and D type guy. Um, but right now, as far as what he's able to do, he find and he's really, um, so. And uh, Marquise Daniels will probably kill us about this, but back in the day, we used to say Keezy had a real trashy part of his game, where it was just like he always finds the trash and puts it in, and puts it, you know, takes the trash out where he's yep. going to put put the ball in the basket and Jakai's that same kind of way. So we used to be like, ah, oh, Keezy is trashy, like, but it's not the same trash as today. But Jakai has that bit of his game where he's able to find the ball where there may not be a clear cut path to the to the hoop. And he's able to put it, uh, you know, put the ball through the net. So I think he's a really good addition. Uh, some people are comparing him to Isaac Okoro. I I wouldn't be far off from that. That that whole and I'll take some guys back to that whole uh, Isaac Okoro. And if you were a fan of Georgia Tech back in the, in the early two thousands, Ismail Muhammad as far as athleticism, uh, the six four six five guy. And if you leave him open long enough, I think Howard that what's going to unlock his game is being able to hit that wide open three pointer. Once he does that, he's he, I see him as a potential draft pick. Yeah, he's right now he's third in overtime elite, and there's a you know I, I'm kind of learning more about overtime elite, and you know when I I think like most people I might think about it as I like, oh, it's just one team. Well, it's not. It's a bunch of teams. There's a bunch of teams. He's third in the entire group in scoring right now, 15.9 points a game. So he is putting the ball in the basket, and overtime elite would be the equivalent of playing almost a peach damn season because there's a bunch of really good players in this group 
Um, so hopefully we're going to have a chance to go over and uh, catch Mount Seaton in person here, maybe in sometime in December, which would be nice. Yeah. As for the basketball trip, um, kick it off on Thursday against Notre Dame. New Notre Dame team, first year coach. I think it's a first year coach. Yeah. Um, yep. And Notre Dame is not all that incredible, but they will kind of have a home advantage a little bit playing up there in Brooklyn. That's yes. something Bruce Pearl talked about this week. Um, and same thing could go for one of Friday's opponents. If Auburn plays St. Bonnie's, they'll either play St. Bonaventure or Oklahoma State on Friday. Um, I think it should be a it should be a two and zero trip for Auburn, in my opinion, based on these teams. Um, but with a young team that's still kind of coming together a little bit, I, I could see one game getting a little bit scary for a second. But I think Auburn will still be able to pull out two wins personally. Um, just in my opinion, we're actually going to hit one more question from the chat really quick from Michael. Cause he's a member over at Auburn undercover. So I don't want to miss him. Um, he has the latest on Zaquan Patterson, KJ Bolden, Cam Franklin, and Nykar. We've already talked about Cam Franklin, but he could maybe end up at the iron bowl. That's one that Auburn is still recruiting a little bit. Um, KJ Bolden expected to be at the iron bowl. We've kind of talked about him being, you know, unlikely, but still in the fold a little bit and Auburn's still trying to stay active. Um, as for Nikar, since he committed to Miami, really haven't heard much. Um, maybe if Auburn struck out on Cam Coleman and Ryan Williams and got definitive no's in enough time, maybe they would try and circle around again, but I just don't see too much happening there. Um, and Zaquan Patterson, haven't heard a lot about him recently. Uh, maybe need to dig into that one a little bit. Just haven't heard his name as much, um, but I don't think they stopped recruiting him necessarily. He could. He hasn't used his official visit. Could be Iron Bowl. I, I don't really know. That's one. That's one I'll dig in for you, Michael. Um, and if you're at Auburn Undercover, you will be able to read that at some point once I get some news later this week on him. Guys, we'll wrap it up there. This ended up going really long. I knew we'd have a lot to talk about. I knew we would have a ton of questions, and we had exactly that. Um, Jason and Dukes, just any parting thoughts. Um, guys, we didn't talk about tonight that I think should have been talked about. Favor Edwin. I think he could be on Commit Watch here soon. Cohen Eccles, that's a guy I talked about when Jimbo Fisher got fired um, as well. Just really quickly, I wanted to mention those and make sure they got name dropped in this podcast because they deserve to be right now. Yeah, Cohen Eccles is a guy that, that Auburn has continued to talk to. Obviously has Texas A&M family a little bit. Um, but that's one that's, that's interesting, again, when you start talking about offensive line group. So um, those guys, a um, couple of JUCO you know, offensive linemen that Auburn has offered recently. That all guys be pay attention to, and you know, see if those guys uh, you know get into December uh, if their seasons get done. You wouldn't be shocked to see a couple of those types of guys um, you know take some official visits here in the, in the next month. Dukes, any final thoughts? I think we've covered most of it, but yeah, um, just to piggyback on that, Zaquan Patterson. Uh, Zaquan Patterson was a guy that uh, Zach Etheridge, I think, during his bye week, he did get to go to his high school. Uh, when they were recruiting, he he ended up being in South Florida. So uh, somebody that they didn't give up on. But I think that uh, one thing I did hear is that Zaquan Patterson and Laquan – what's my man? Robinson. You, Robinson. I always get, those, get them confused. But uh, Zaquan and Laquan play a similar type game. So that may be kind of like a, a, a tea leave type deal where they're both kind of that larger, uh, you know, physical safety where, um, you know, taking that commitment – where they did not saying that you don't find a way to get uh, Zaquan in the group, but I think that Auburn feels really good about having that bigger safety in the class with uh, Laquan. I think KJ Bolden is the main 
safety target remaining, and Jalewis Solomon is the only cornerback target remaining. I think yeah. that I think that's really it. So we're going to wrap it up there. A hair under 50 minutes, usually try and keep it a little bit shorter. But like I said at the beginning, now that we're at crunch time over the next month, whenever we get on these podcasts, they're probably going to be a little bit longer. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about, a lot of stuff to break down, and a lot of stuff coming up. Yeah, it was a busy one for sure. So, uh, yeah, that was fun. Yeah. So we're going to wrap it up there. Um, guys, I think we'll catch you all. We'll definitely catch you all next week for an Iron Bowl recruiting podcast. We've already started talking about that, maybe getting a recruit on getting something like that um, ahead of the Iron Bowl. So see what we can do. We're going to have a ton of other podcasts and other Iron Bowl content as well. Um, so definitely make sure if you're not over at AuburnUndercover.com, check us out over there. We're, we've got a ton of stuff planned over the next couple of days. Obviously a ton of stuff for Iron Bowl. Signing day is on the horizon. I will tell you all that if you are not a member at AuburnUndercover.com, you can join now for a dollar for your first month. Or I believe next week, um, a little bit of insider trading here. The Black Friday sale goes on sale, I think, the 21st. So a week from week from today, next Tuesday. I think they're putting it on sale next Tuesday, which is 75% off an annual sub. It's the best deal we run all year. Literally will not get any better than that. So you want to be a sub now, but if you want to wait maybe just a week, we've got a good deal on the way as well. Um, so we'll keep you all updated on that. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and we will catch you guys soon. CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.